Hey, everybody. Bienvenue. Shit, I knew that was going to happen. Bienvenue a la podcast de Leafs fans on Hostile Land. Or Hostile, I don't know. I can't do the French. So, soir, on va parler de Toronto Maple Leafs, c'est le Senegal d'Ottawa et tous les batteries qui well, that is our uh, bilingual one. So our first half of the episode will be in English. Then we will repeat everything again for the second <laughs> half of the podcast in French. Stay tuned for me trying to fail through that. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Least Fans in Hostile Lands, uh, the podcast about three Least fans living in Ottawa in uh, a lockdown and quarantine so unfortunately we don't get to see a whole lot of sense fans but we are doing our best and watching a whole bunch of hockey so we had three games so i guess two and a bit games we were recording during one last week uh this week um i'm gonna pass it over to dan for our weekly recap okay thanks a lot craig so i'll, I'll breeze through these uh fairly quickly because you know <laughs> they weren't great games well, and to be fair, they weren't bad games. The games against the Flames, so they play against the Flames on the 13th, and that was, I think, a Tuesday that we were recording during. And while we were recording, they they were 1-1 right at the end of the first period, I think, and uh, we were feeling okay about it. This is the game that uh, just days before Dave Riddick had been traded um, to Toronto from the Calgary Flames, and so it was a little bit of weird. We talked about how he traveled with the team, how he was coming, and then he was facing them right on. Um, he looked pretty good in net. I mean, I gotta say, I, I'm happy to have him. I think it adds depth to the goalie uh, roster and I'm very happy he's around. He, uh, looked great throughout the game. He made uh, 26 or 28 saves. Um, sorry, he made uh, 25 saves cause they scored three. And then unfortunately Goudreau at the end, uh, was able to beat him on an overtime breakout and, uh, we aren't able to get uh, two points there, but we got the single point. So, you know, we took that on to the jets, uh, we played them on Thursday, and again, that did not go exactly how we wanted. Now, we didn't get to overtime, unfortunately, this uh, game. The Leafs did have a lot of shots. Like, we're we're getting a lot of shots in our games. 33 shots on goal to the Jets' 24. Um, but, you know, if you look at the other stats, there's <laughs> everything has really swung against the Leafs lately. Um, you know, other than face-offs, but power play, the Jets had two power play goals, and they capitalized on those. Um, the Jets out hit the Leafs uh, by almost two to one or over two to one. So like the Leafs just weren't keeping up with them. The Jets outpaced them pretty much throughout the entire game. Tavares got a nice goal in the second period. And then they just couldn't keep up with Winnipeg and Winnipeg was able to overcome them five to two. Uh, actually, yeah. There's... Uh, do we want to talk about Campbell in that game for a second? Yeah. Oh, God. Ugh, I was going to say, I just realized this was the the barrage game kyle what do you think uh just it was so disappointing to see or just heartbreaking actually to see campbell kind of fall from grace after his awesome 11 game uh win streak from the beginning of the year congrats to him and then three goals on six shots good lord so and like they were all good goals but they, you know, it didn't seem like Campbell had the confidence that he usually does with some of these goals. And it kind of carried over to our to our next game. Want to keep going with that? Yeah, for sure. So as uh, Kyle was saying, that was a disappointing showing by Campbell. 
he admitted after the game that, you know, obviously that's not what he's here to do. So he was pretty disappointed in himself. But then we got to the Canucks uh, return game. So they hadn't played for three weeks because of COVID complications. And um, really, it was a pretty solidly even game on both sides, which is kind of saying something. Now, the Leafs did almost double uh, outshoot them. So the Leafs had 39 shots to their 24. And the one thing, you know, one other saving grace for the Leafs is they got a a power play goal finally, but really. After four and a half minutes on the power play. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. After four and a half minutes, you know, it takes them almost a five minute power play to get one. So it wasn't the best showing, obviously, uh, versus the Canucks. And then um, we had uh, high hopes going into the third period. Um, And then, you know, Hoglander got another goal and that kind of just threw everything off so we got to overtime now the the canucks scored in overtime that's fine it was a nice move as soon as they came over the blue line i was you know i kind of said under my breath that's a nice move this is going to be bad and unfortunately it got by um i i personally though don't think this game should have gotten to overtime so the canucks won three to two in overtime I feel like there was a disallowed goal in the late third period. I think there was 18 seconds left in the game where the puck had, in my opinion, crossed the line completely. Uh, it was disallowed. Craig, do you want to tell us more about that? Well, yeah, there was a uh, nice save by Holtby on Matthews. He went behind the net, got it over to Marner, who popped it in right underneath uh, um, Holtby's elbow. And... You can see it go in the up the top view. I think it's pretty clear that you can see it go off his elbow down his pants and then kind of get lodged beside his skate. And then as soon as they blew the whistle, hope he didn't want to move. He just wanted to hide that yeah. puck. You can see him kind of scooting it forward. And then by the time he actually lifted his leg, you could see it was right just on the line in the net. So like, there's no way that it wasn't in the net beforehand. Logic just says that. And actually, I was just mentioning to Kyle right before we started uh, recording, there was a game last week between, I think it was Minnesota and Colorado. Very similar thing. Puck, you know, got lost in a scramble in front of the net. Um, the, goal, the puck was kind of underneath the goalie's pad. You couldn't see it go in. They review it, comes back, good goal. Very similar situation. Yeah. They called that a good goal, even though you couldn't see the puck in the net. Um, and for, luckily for Colorado, it then was called back on another challenge after that that the, uh, the, the goalie was pushed into the net. So I just don't understand where refs are getting their information these days. Um, it seems like the exact same play one game to another will just be completely different. Um, there's no point really talking on this a whole lot more. The, you know, the refs saw what they saw. Um, yeah, yeah. We, di- we didn't get to see all the angles. There was a couple angles they didn't show on the broadcast, so we don't really get to know. But that's how I feel. I know, Dan, you feel the same way. Some people don't feel the same. But that's, of course, that's what we see. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not sure. I I think there needs to be that definitive evidence. And if the refs couldn't see that definitive ed- evidence and if the guys upstairs or whoever takes it can't see the definitive evidence, like what like what could we be seeing that they're not seeing? Like that's that's where right. I'm at. And I've seen a couple different angles, maybe not the ones that others have seen or the net cam. And I'm just like, ah. It's it's not definitive. So given the wording of the rules, I I don't see that definitive evidence. Now, was Holtby being, you know, a little slimy about it? Shasty. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, him and every other goalie who's been in that situation. So yeah. I say, the, you know, they did their best. And even Marner pointing it out, was like, that's in. And it's like, okay, everybody calm down. We've got yeah. Ma- a black. Marner's standing right beside the net with his stick pointing at it going, it's right there. It's in. Look, look, it's in. The ref's off in the corner. He's not paying any attention. He's like, hey, look, before he moves this puck, it's right there. You can see him pointing right beside the net at it. But yeah, yeah, I, I, it seems like that the refs there, um, Graham Skilleter, he's the one that uh, Sheldon Keefe was yelling at a couple weeks ago there, the, you know, F you, Graham. Ooh, he, he, he I was, didn't know that. Yeah, he was the <laughs> one that was refing last night. He was the one that was beside the net um, that wasn't paying attention. He was also the same one earlier on in the game when Matthew scored and he went, that's a goal. And the guy's like, no goal. Yeah, He's yeah, like, yeah. What, what are you talking about? I'm going to stop. That's a goal. So I, I, I don't know. Um, it, it, it wasn't a very well ref game. Most games aren't. So um, all, all in all, though, it just wasn't a great game for the Leafs, unfortunately. Actually, they, it was a pretty good game for the Leafs. They got a ton of great chances. Um, Holt, they got a ton of great chances until yeah. Holtby stood on his head and said no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, or on his um, back with that windmill, yeah, the move. windmill kick. <laughs> that was gorgeous. What a save! That oh, yeah. was fun to watch. I gotta say, all the all the credit I'll give to Holtby in that game. That was just his game. Absolutely. Uh, another little bit of fallout from that game. Uh, Hyman's now injured, adding to a little bit of a string of bad luck the Leafs have been having. Um, Edler took a five minute major in that game uh, for I. Did they call it tripping or kneeing or something? Yeah, kneeing. Yeah, so. Took him out, and Hyman went down, and it looks like his knee is out. Uh, he's out for two weeks now, so... you know Him and his knee. Yeah, MCL. Yeah, injury. him and his knee. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we wish him a speedy recovery, of course. Luckily for Edler right now, he's got a two-game suspension, so he can keep his face uh, from Wayne Simmons' knuckles in this next game tomorrow night. Uh, mm-hmm. That might be the best thing that could possibly happen for him right now. Well, and and let's hope Simmons or somebody on the Leafs stands up a little bit and, you know, shows them that they're not to be pushed around. If this is going to be a playoff contending team, they have to be able to respond physically when they need to. Which is making me wonder if uh, Wayne Simmons, his his wrist is still injured. because so we haven't seen yeah. him in a single fight since he got back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure last, luckily, again, Edler got kicked out of the game last night. He got the game misconduct, so he didn't have to answer for it. And I don't think they're going to play again against Toronto after this week. So I'd say he's kind of gotten lucky on this one. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, the Leafs are are on a cold streak again. Um, it seems that they're, they're going hot and cold. I think this is, we were talking about just before the podcast, four wins, four loses. So, you know, 500 uh, hockey is not great going into the playoffs. Um, we have a couple things going wrong with the team. Kyle, do you want to just uh, let us know what's going on right now? There's been a few developments this week. <sighs> Freaking Morgan Riley, everybody. And of course, he starts not playing well after this podcast suggests that maybe he should be traded because he's only got one year left after uh, this year. My eye test is telling me that Morgan Riley is either injured or just doesn't know himself right now or doesn't know how to play defensive hockey, doesn't have a good sense of when to pinch and when not to pinch. And I think that sense is is kind of bleeding through the rest of the the defensemen too. Hall is making some interesting 
pinches that are leading to two-on-ones. Muzzin's been caught a little bit, and I know they split up that pair this past game, kind of more blundering, but we haven't seen any blundering on the defense this year, to be honest. Yeah. And and we saw Riley with Hall, which I thought was interesting because Hall is usually the one that pinches, not the one that stays back. And then Muzzin with Brody, which is fine as maybe a shutdown defensive line. And Brody's kind of in between anyway. But yeah, Riley, I'm not sure he's making the smartest moves. Power play, uh, everything goes through him. And we are, what, three for or two for 46 or billion? I, I don't know. I think we're three now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great uh i think you can call it a minus one on the last 46 power plays well they, yeah the three shorthanded goals against them and then the two power play goals so yeah it's minus not, one it's not good so does that mean he needs to be traded uh this offseason no but if he continues this i would say poor play maybe there's somebody out there that we can uh get to replace him i don't know what do you guys think about Morgan Riley? What's your eye test telling you? He seems to be playing much more offensively than I expect him to play as of late. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at a couple of stats over the last 10 games and then over his whole career. In the last 10 games, he's shot way more than he ha- or sorry, not career, but for the year. He's shot way more than he has in the year. He's blocked uh, about 10% of what he usually does. Like if he's trying to be the super offensive defenseman, then he's got to be scoring goals or at least getting um, a high amount of assists on that, which he's not really. So I don't know if he's tired of being a defenseman and just wants to be up with the guys having fun at the net. Um, But whatever he's doing isn't working. He's um, he's turnover King right now. I mean, yeah, I, I get that feeling when he has the puck and he's going to the neutral zone. It's like, okay, if he can get through here, we're good. But like, he's probably going to get stripped somewhere around the red line. So it, it's frustrating. Um, I don't know, Craig. What do you think? I think part of it might be stemming from the least power play issues. Um, they're knowing they're yeah. not getting those goals on the power play. So maybe I feel like he's just trying like all the defense. We're seeing a lot more pinching over these last 10, 15 games, really since they started losing at all, <laughs> uh, going back a couple of weeks um, because of this power play because they're not getting the goals. I feel like the defense needs that they need to try to force some more offense um, so that the, you know, to try to take a little bit of pressure off those off the power play and off the forwards. And it's just leading to a lot more odd man rushes coming the other direction. And one thing we were noticing last game is that um, Jack Campbell seems to be really good in those high danger situations yeah. with, you know, a lot of guys around the net. He tracks the puck really well, but he doesn't seem to be very good on the odd man rushes and on the breakaways most of the goals that seem to go in are in those situations. Um, so I, I think that might be a part of the problem is that just that the fence is trying to, you know, get in, trying to jump in a little bit more and just trying to force it a little too much instead of letting those guys, you know, get the goals, let that those forwards, you know, help on the defense instead of the defense trying to help the forwards. And I don't think the shuffling of these D pairings was the answer. I think, Riley Brody is great because Brody's really, really defensive. I think they just need to pull the reins on Riley a little bit. Okay, you need to be a more defensive, Riley. Don't pinch quite quite as much. We can get back in the zone. Don't worry about it. Same thing with uh, Muzzin Hall. Just pull Hall back a little bit and, and just focus on defense a little bit more. I think we did that really well at the beginning of the year because it was something they needed to work on as opposed to always pinching. 
So I want those pairings to go back for tomorrow night's game. And uh, I don't think Felino can get in tomorrow, can he? No, he's in Thursday. So. He okay, arrives so in, in Toronto, uh, gets with the team Wednesday, and then Thursday he's going to be full day with the team. Gotcha. In with the team on Thursday. So tomorrow's game uh, is going to be really, really interesting. We had a recent update just before we started recording that Nylander was late for a meeting and is potentially scratched for the next game. I don't know. I understand you need the discipline for this stuff. Is this the time? And he's been out already for a couple weeks. Like, his gears aren't flowing quite as easily as usual. Now, his gameplay last game was saying otherwise. I don't know if this discipline really makes sense right now. Let's let's keep Nylander in because we don't get Felino until yeah. Thursday. Uh, sticking with Felino, with Hyman out now for two weeks, where do you guys think Felino is going to slot in? We've talked about this a little bit, but now with some more injuries, where do you think he's going to slot in? Dan, what do you think? You know, I kind of think he's probably just going to take Hyman's place. I, I Somewhere on the third line. Um, maybe put Kerfoot on the wing and have uh, Felino as center with the Mikheyev on the third line. I, I'd be hesitant. You know, we've got seven games left. We haven't been playing well lately. They need to win a few games going into the playoffs. So I would be really hesitant to, you know, take a new player and throw him into the lineup um, where he wouldn't be able to grow and build some chemistry with those players in the short time we have. And Hyman being out for two weeks, I mean, that's uh, it's a pretty solid one-to-one -one replacement, in my opinion. I think that's where I'd put him. Sorry, I walked away to grab another beer. You would do that. <laughs> I, I think with Hyman out, you're, you're, we're going to have to see that shuffling in that top six because um, I know he doesn't have, Hyman doesn't necessarily have a 100% you know, time on that top six. But he gets used there in all the big situations. Um, I've liked uh, seeing Galchenyuk on that top line with Matthews and Marner. He's also looked good on the line with Tavares and Nylander. Um, I think really you can slot Felino into either of those top six left wings and then bounce him down into the bottom six if you need him in other situations. A little bit more of a shutdown line. Um, I've actually really liked the look of the, the old guy line too. So with this um, <laughs> um, Spezza... Um, Simmons and Simmons Thornton. Thornton. I thought they've looked pretty good. I know they're getting you know fairly sheltered. They're getting the offensive zone starts, but they seem to be pretty responsible. They're you know working hard, and if you can keep that line for now running together, um, maybe do something a similar version of the zip line, but uh, move Engvall over and have Kerfoot in the center, and that way you can have Felino in the top six. Um, again in in Sheldon, I trust. So we'll see what his blender does. Yeah, I think Felino on the top six, you know, just show him right away that we have trust in you, that we brought you in to play some fun games, to play with some really fun players, throw him in with Tavares and Nylander, I think, and then maybe Robertson down to the third line. Don't bring Eng Engvall back. Not a fan, personally, but that's okay. Sorry, I forgot about Robertson. Becomes, yeah, yeah, it becomes still a zip line on, on the third. You've got Mikheyev, Kerfoot, and Robertson all extremely fast shut down lines and you know what i, I don't think hate that, that third line is missing is missing a shot like a shooter and robertson, robertson. is the shooter yeah i like yeah. that okay yeah that's not, i like that too actually mikhaev passes first kerfoot passes first 
You give it to Robertson. Anytime I see him shoot, I'm like, hello, next Matthews. Okay, this is good. And his brother, Jason Robertson, is lighting it up in Dallas. So if if there's something going on in the family, we want to be involved. So I didn't realize I, I that was his that brother. Would be cool. I, yeah, I, older I heard, brother, I've been hearing actually. by Jason. I didn't realize that was his brother. Oh, huh, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, check out the picture. They look identical. Speaking of Mikheyev, they were mentioning him earlier. There was one play last night I really enjoyed. Uh, uh, Vancouver defenseman was all alone in his defensive zone, and uh, Mikheyev was on him, forechecking him. And you know, he would, the defenseman would turn back, and Mikheyev was right there on him, and he was all over him. Um, and I heard the defenseman yell, little bit of help over here! <laughs> Like yet, yeah, Mikheyev's great. Like he's a great four checker. Um, if he had just had you know fifteen percent more finish, he would be a great, a great player. Um, but yeah, you're right. That line really does need that shooter, and I think Robertson would be a great fit on that. I know it's a fairly long, young line, but that's that's gonna be a lot of energy. And just uh, going back to the senior citizen line, I love them. That's so cool, and I think they just feed off each other. They've got. They just have that experience, and they kind of know where each other are. And I think it's a really good combination because Simmons is out front, Thornton is the pass first, and Spets says shooting. Like, what What else do you need right there? It's it's so cool. And getting those fourth-line minutes, just being older, you're not, you're not going to want to play as much, and you're going to want to throw it all out there when you do have your shift. Uh, I say stick with that. That's, that's some, some cool lines there. We've got an old line, we've got a young line, and then we've got the top six. Why not? Yeah. The other thing I like about that old line, though, is that, you know, you're going to get some shots at Espeza, and of course, uh, you know, Thornton and Simmons will shoot here and there, but you know that they're not going to let a breakaway go the other way. You know, they're three experienced guys. They know how to shut down, uh, like, a failed turnover or something like that, um, and, and you just know the puck's going to be secure with them. It's a good feeling. The one downside is if the breakaway does go the other direction, none <laughs> of them are catching him. <laughs> Nobody's getting there. No. Yeah. Good point. That's why they can't They'll get let to it the happen. bench faster. Uh, oh, God. Should we talk about Campbell a little bit more? There's one interesting <laughs> quote Sheldon Keefe, Sheldon Keefe on what the Canucks did to, fr- to frustrate the Leafs tonight. I don't know. Their goalie made 10 point blank saves. Yeah. Yeah. The Leafs just got hold beat last night. It they was, got hold beat. Yeah. And like Keith admitted it. You know, like Vancouver didn't look great for most of the game. You know, they yeah. kind of picked it up on the second period there. There was quite a few shifts where Edler was out there for, you know, two and a half, three minutes. Him and Myers, they just got trapped in that zone constantly. And one of them, he got lucky. You know, the puck, he deflected the puck over the glass and they didn't give him a delay of game penalty. Another one, he ended up taking a five-minute major and getting kicked out of the game, so he didn't have to worry about it anymore. But, yeah, uh, yeah they, they didn't look great for most of the game. You know, they got a couple lucky breakaways there, got some goals on Campbell that, you know, like we were saying, he doesn't seem to be really good at the two-on-ones and the breakaways right now. Um, And, yeah, like you said, he made a whole, or Holtby made 10 point-blank saves. Um, Good thing, you know, we're talking about Campbell. One good thing we did see that Freddie is skating again. Um, he is traveling with Leafs on this uh, this road trip right now. Obviously, he's not playing, but just having him there on the you know on the plane in the dressing room, he's gonna be around. Um, I know that the team loves Freddie. I think maybe not having him in the room lately could be part of it as well. 
You know, it just having that extra personality not there can mean a lot to a room. Look at what the Leafs looked like when Simmons wasn't there for, you know, what was the six weeks and they just looked a little bit more dejected on the bench. I think they'll be really happy to have Freddie back around just around them generally at any given time. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, now that Campbell has let three go and they were not fighters, I don't think. I think having Freddie around is at least going to give everyone a little bit of confidence. I don't think he's coming back before the playoffs simply because of cap shenanigans. Yeah, I think it's, you're right. it is. It is what it is, I guess. In Campbell and Riddick, we trust to get us to the end. I guess that depends on uh, Hyman right now. Oh, if Hyman's going to be injured for more than two weeks, maybe he goes on LTIR and there's Freddie coming back. Good point. Maybe, maybe. What is Hyman at? Hyman's at two and a half. Two and a half. I think they've got three and two a half, and half of space two. right now. Two and a quarter. Three. Okay. Okay. They could, we they could, could have Freddie back before the playoffs. Yeah. Not what you want to see. I think I'd rather have Hyman in the lineup than Freddie right now, but it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Do you guys want to do uh, do some quick shifts questions? Yeah, baby. Sounds good. All right. So um, we've had a good chance, you know, throughout the season to see, you know, the different teams. We have a chance of playing in the playoffs. Um, the four, uh, I guess, well, Montreal's still a fair ways back right now. Um, but Edmonton and Winnipeg are kind of neck and neck and not that far behind Toronto right now. So kind of those top three, any, anyone can take them. Uh, of the three teams in the playoffs right now, which of the three would you want the Leafs to play in the first round? Oh, man, I'm going to go with Winnipeg, I think. I'm a little bit afraid about of Montreal. Uh, we just seem to find ways to lose to them. Uh, Winnipeg, I know they just beat us 5-2, uh, to two, but you know I still think um, we came ahead um, in the series against them this year. Uh, their goal stats are a little bit worse. All their stats are just a little bit, you know, worse than Edmonton's. And then Montreal, I'm just afraid of on a Montreal standpoint. I don't know what stats you're looking at, but <laughs> I don't want anything to do with Hellebuck. Oh my God. Just give me a, a round first before we get to Winnipeg. Those guys, it's either, I think it's Toronto or Winnipeg to get out of the North for sure. I want to play. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Neither, none. No, I've, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Montreal. I think first of all, that'd be an awesome first round, and second of all, we don't know what price we're gonna get. I think we can take on Montreal really well, uh, and you never know. Maybe Edmonton takes at Winnipeg because I don't want anything to do with Winnipeg, and I I would take Edmonton on in the second round. And me personally, I would also take uh, Edmonton. Uh, I think they've got the weakest goalies and really only have the two guys to watch. And if we can shut down those two guys, then it's a pretty easy series. So when we, uh, God forbid, if the Leafs do not make it to the Stanley Cup and win, um, which team are you guys going to cheer for uh, in uh, once the Leafs get eliminated? Who's your team right now that uh, you're hoping goes all the way? Uh, I always go for a Canadian team, so I would I would go for whichever team makes it, whichever Canadian team makes it to the conference finals. My bet is again, if it's not Toronto, it's Winnipeg. So I I would go full Winnipeg. They're a really fun team to watch, and I would watch them for sure. Yeah. If I were to pick a non-Canadian team, I'm just kind of scrolling through Carolina. I think Carolina's due, and they're such a such a fun team to watch as well 
I, I would go Carolina as my second one. Um, Canadian teams. I mean, I would like to play Winnipeg first also because, uh, you know, it'd be fun to knock them out first round. But I think if um, the Leafs are eliminated, Winnipeg would be the one I'd want to watch of the Canadian teams. Of the non-Canadian teams, though, I I would kind of like to see the Vegas Golden Knights make it. Um, I don't know. I know they're brand new and it'd piss everybody off, but that's kind of the team that they are. And I think it'd be fun to watch them, such a young team, uh, win if we can't. I have a hard time cheering for any other Canadian teams as soon as the Leafs are out. Um, I I guess maybe Edmonton. I am a fan of their big two, but um, I'll cheer for any. I guess I'll cheer for any Canadian team just to win. But of the American teams, I think right now I, I would cheer for Minnesota. Um, they, you know, they're, they are kind of the Cinderella story of the season. No one was expecting them to do all that well. Um, Cam Talbot is having a great season down there. Um, their young guy Kaprizov is, uh, you know, a Calder. Um, you know, he's the forerunner right now. And I love their jerseys. I love those third jerseys of theirs. I want to see them win the Stanley Cup, maybe lose the Stanley Cup to Toronto wearing those green and golds. Um, other than that, yeah, Vegas would be fun to see if anybody is going to be Tampa. Um, they've got by far the best goalie in the league. Vasilevsky is just head and shoulders above everybody else, both in ability and in height. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's really worth cheering for anybody else other than Tampa Bay. All right. So uh, as we were mentioning earlier, you know, we've seen a lot of inconsistent refereeing um, refereeing so far this season. Um, are you guys finding some of these games almost unwatchable because of the refereeing or is it just me? Um, I wouldn't say unwatchable. I would say I'm getting frustrated in things that, you know, I'm, I'm not a ref myself, so I don't know all the nuances of how to ref and what you're looking for. But, you know, if I see somebody take an elbow to the face, I would expect that they're going to get a penalty for it. Um, yeah. If expect I what you goal, want. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, like, I would expect that the way the game should be played is what I'm seeing. And uh, when we're watching the Leafs, that's not always the way. Now, I don't watch a ton of other teams, so I can't really comment on other uh, refs around the NHL. But it seems like um, it's a little bit frustrating this year. Yeah, I wouldn't say unwatchable, but definitely I'm getting frustrated. <sighs> I want I, I want robots. <laughs> I I want robots. Just the robot umpire. Yeah, I want robots just to remind me that I don't want robots. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I want uh, like the uh the offside coach challenge, you want to have that just to see that you don't want that. Basically. Yeah. I I want to see what an NHL game would be like if it was actually refed by robots. And then maybe I would change my tune. But I I don't know. I think the refs are they're on their high horse. They think they're, you know, the rulers of the game. The game's going to go the way that we want to go. And sometimes I think it's against the Leafs. And I think it's against the Leafs often because they're one of the most profitable teams and the most popular teams. So it's like, okay, we can't go for the Leafs or they're definitely going to think we're a fan. Just, just freaking call the game. Just call the game. Don't play favorites. Stop trying to game manage. And then, and then maybe I'll change my mind. I haven't seen a game called by robots, so I I don't like these refs. So not unwatchable, but not great. Okay, I guess unwatchable may not be the best word. Um, utterly frustrating is one of them. 
I don't watch basketball. What I've heard, though, is that the officials in basketball at the end of the game are open to the media. They need to answer to the media mm, as like to that. what they saw in the game. And that's one thing you don't see with the NHL refs. There is no accountability to what happens at the end of the game. Um, you know, they just walk off. You can't ask them about why, you know, they called something a certain way. You can't ask them about why they didn't call something. I think that would go a long way is just to have, you know, the refs say, okay, you've got 10 minute availability with the two refs. They can ask your questions. And at least there's just a little bit more transparency. And that's what the NHL needs. Just more transparency on this kind of thing. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to make all the calls, but at least be answerable to what you did. I like that. Now, we've been spending a lot of time, you know, earlier talking about Nick Felino. Now, the other option I know the, a lot of people are talking about was Taylor Hall coming to Toronto. Now, since he went to Boston, he's already scored two goals. So he's already doubled his goal total so far this season. Um, was he a perfect fit in, uh, in Boston or um, do you think the Leafs should have picked him up? Oh, I don't know. I, you know, I think when we were talking about him a couple of weeks ago, I, I think I was not a fan of picking him up then just because he was, you know, in, I don't want to say the twilight of his career. Cause that is certainly not true. He's 30, but he's not putting up the same stats that he used to. Right. So I, I'm, I'm happy with the way things have kind of shaken out. Obviously, it's fun to have. He, I'd consider him one of the you know big stars. If you say Taylor Hall, most people know you're talking hockey. It would have been fun to have another one of him on the Leafs, but I think we've got a pretty stacked team right now. I think he is a perfect fit in Boston because of something that we talked about a few weeks ago, that Taylor Hall is not the number one guy on that team. You got Marshawn, you got Pasternak, you got Bergeron being Bergeron. Taylor Hall can fit on that second line. He can bump up if he needs to. He's going to contribute on the power play. I think he would have done well with the Leafs. However, he would not have provided as much flexibility as Nick Foligno does. So perfect fit in Boston. Yes. Am I afraid of Boston now? Kind of. Do I want to see him in the playoffs? Only to beat them. And I'm just, <laughs> I, I, I don't want any of Taylor Hall on Boston against the Leafs. So perfect fit. Yeah, I think it was it was a pretty solid pickup for Boston and Taylor Hall. But he knew what he was talking about when when he said he wanted to go there. All right. One last random question of all those Boston players that you named, if you could bring one to Toronto, which one would it be? Marchand. Dan. <laughs> Bergeron. I, I also have to say Bergeron because I spent too much time hating Marshawn. I just. Yeah, I, I don't exactly. Th- I don't think I could possibly like him. I would just hope uh, I would just I would... hope that Muzzin would hit him every shift. <laughs> I'd hope he gets injured just skating. <laughs> Guys, no, he's a annoying, good player. We need that. <laughs> oh, I want I want one of something like him just with a Marshawndectomy. Just remove the Marshawn <laughs> part of his brain <laughs> and just leave the pest part. You can save the licking. All right, so that is uh, all I've got for quick shifts this week. All right, so moving on, uh, got one more bit of uh, news. Um, last night, our old friend Patty Marlowe tied Gordie Howe for all-time games played record in the NHL. So congratulations, Patty Marlowe. So with that uh, 
tying of the record, and he'll be breaking it tonight against the uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. One actually, one really nice thing I saw from that last game um, with Marlowe when he broke the record at the end of the game, the entire Minnesota Wild team lined up and shook his hand. I think that was a pretty classy move to uh, you know to honor That's this guy cool. and you know show him. Congratulations, Patty. But uh, on that uh, topic, I've got some trivia for you guys for tonight. And the topic of tonight's trivia is NHL player records. <laughs> Lovely. All right. So this one's not going to be for any sort of money. This is going to be just another fun bet for the week. Uh, and then we'll follow it up with a bet that Kyle's got for us. Um, so I've got five questions for you guys. First question. Which player has the most fighting majors over his NHL career. Oh, this isn't multiple choice? Oh, oh great. No, no, just, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, like, out of all the players? All players in NHL ever? history, who has the most oh fighting God. majors? The most fighting... I, Ty Domi. Daniel? Well, you took mine. <laughs> I and and you know just let me qualify I've never been a huge fan of fighting so it's not something I follow closely so I like other than Ty Domi I really have no idea who the fighters are well congratulations it is Ty Domi with 300 no way really <laughs> with 333 fights roughly half of his career penalty minutes were in fights man we his could use a little Domi needs now. to get on that train my god uh, okay, so number two, most goals by a goalie. There's two that are tied. Which two goalies are tied for most goals? Okay, I've got mine. I yeah, I do D too. Daniel, I say Flurry. So there's two of them, two goalies. Oh, I have to give you two. There, oh yeah. God. Um, who else would be making? Oh. You know what? I, I feel like Shiger's made a few goals. Kyle? I don't know why. I'll go Patrick Waugh and Martin Brodeur. Oh, that you know what? I was wanting... I was trying to think of Brodeur. That was... So, Martin Brodeur is correct. The other one... Nice. Current GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Ron Hextall. Both have two... Oh, wow. Both have two goals. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so... um. Which two NHL players, again, another tie, have the record for most NHL seasons played? Well, I mean, I'm going to say Marlowe also. And? Uh, you have a second one? I'll say Marlowe and Gretzky. Kyle? Uh, yeah, I'll go Marlowe and uh, I was going to say Thornton, but I think it's Gordie Howe. Uh, Gordie Howe? And Chris, nice. and Chris Chelios, both with 26 oh, seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Now, Marlowe, because he is going to break that record for most games played, but he also has had several outstanding Ironman streaks. He guys almost never injured. Um, so he's had yeah. that. He's actually been able to pass this in fewer seasons than uh, Gordie Howe. I believe this is nice. Marlowe's 23rd season. The other two play 26. Wow. All right. So. Which player had the best plus minus in a single season? Uh, uh, I'll say Crosby. Uh, I don't know why I am going to say this, but I'm going to go Manny Malhotra. Ooh. The, neither are correct. Bobby Orr 
in the 1970-71 season was a plus 129. <laughs> what? He's only one what of cheat code. Only one of two players in NHL history to have a plus 100 plus minus. Who's the other? Uh, Ted Lindsay, I believe. Oh. No, Larry Murphy. The other one, Larry Murphy. Okay, last but not least, which players have the most points by brothers? Which brothers have the most combined points in the NHL over their careers? Brothers have combined points. Oh, God. And wait, how is it just two brothers or all brothers? All brothers. Oh, good point. Oh, oh. okay. Well, I've got mine. Yeah, I'll say the stalls. I'll say the Sutters. Oh, damn. I See, I, I'm sure you guys would get this and say Sedins. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say Sedins until you said it could be three, and then I thought, oh. And you know what? If you said Sedins, you'd be wrong. The correct oh, answer <laughs> is Wayne and Brent Gretzky. <laughs> no way. Wayne, That's hilarious. Wayne Gretzky you mean with and then 857 <laughs> points, and his brother Brent with four. Combined have the most That's points so between funny. any two brothers. <laughs> that, well done, Craig. <laughs> That's a good one. Trick question there for you. <laughs> good job. Does it count? <laughs> yeah, it, it counts. He's got NHL points. <laughs> That's but too, I, yeah, because I believe funny. Gretzky's the only player with more than two thousand points. So yeah, kind of uh, stacking the deck on that one. Oh my god, that's funny. Wow. Okay, that leads us into our bet really nicely. We're going to be doing a points bet again, and uh, we're talking about Nick Foligno. He's going to be in Thursday and Saturday. Basically, how many points will Nick Foligno get this week in his debut with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Goals and assists. So we'll go points uh, is is one part of the bet, and then uh, if you get goals and assists, like how it's split up between goals and assists. And there's two games between now and the next two podcast? Games. Two Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, assume, assuming he cannot play uh, Tuesday, then yeah, it'll be both against Winnipeg. Yeah. Okay, I've got mine. Okay, go ahead, Dan. I'll, I'll say two, a goal, and then assist. Well, I will be different and say one goal and two assists. <laughs> For three. One goal and two assists. I'm optimistic. Three. And uh, I'm going to go with, oh my God, I'm going to go with one and it's going to be a goal and he's going to do, he's going to do it. He's going to do the, his father's jump. Oh yeah. Ah. Do the Felino hop. <laughs> and remember this one is a, a double week because we all won the bet for who the Leafs oh, would yeah. pick up. Right. So this is uh, this is worth $10 from everyone. So we'll see if we can get back into the game here, see if we can bring Craig down a bit, maybe give Dan a little bit of money in his minus 45 range. Woo. That was a fun one. We always say it's going to be a quick podcast, and then we end up filling the full time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a lot more uh, next week to talk about the, uh, you know, Felino's three points that he scored uh, over those two games, so <laughs> I bet you Ben Hutton gets ten. So there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I guess we'll see. we got a couple other guys. We'll see if they'll rotate in in the, the next coming weeks. Anton Swamella becomes the next Sidney Crosby out of nowhere. <laughs> well, actually, maybe the next William Carlson. Oh yeah, I, I would nice. take one of those. 
I'm happy as yeah. long as he's on the Leafs. All right. I guess we should probably wrap this guy up this week. You guys have anything else you want to uh, share with our wonderful listeners before we take off? Don't do drugs. Unless you really want to. Unless you have them in front of you. Yeah, unless you have them, then then do them. <laughs> don't want to put them to waste. Yeah, don't waste <laughs> drugs is our message. Kids, stay home and do drugs. <laughs> yeah, don't go out. Stay home, do drugs, preferably in a basement. If you have chips, even better. Just not with uh, just not with your friends. Do them over Zoom. Oh, I want chips. Yeah, do the do the drugs alone. Kyle, I've got some chips. Want to come get some chips? This is getting worse. <laughs> okay, so yeah. everybody, thank you. This for, is now uh, enabling. We can't put this in the podcast. Thank you for <laughs> following along to Least Fans in Hostile Lands. Uh, follow us on your favorite podcast app. Um, follow us on social medias, uh, and go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go. Go Leafs, go.